feature presentation. This weird aberration society. Back in the year 2000, legendary prolific Japanese filmmaker Takashi Miike was quoted as saying, I'm not a film industry person. I'm in the video film industry. What he meant by that was that he came up in the arena of Japanese V cinema. V cinema was a direct to video market that sort of popped up in the early 90s, or at least it may have started in the late 80s, but it really came into its own in the early 90s. And it really became a springboard for a lot of up and coming Japanese filmmakers. Uh, this was back when there was a viable, very profitable, lucrative, uh, straight-to-video industry. I mean, obviously, we had one here in the United States, and they had one over in Japan. I mean, now, I mean, with physical media being sort of more of a collector's market, that no longer... It, does, it exists, but it doesn't exist to the extent that it used to, obviously... For those, we all know we live in the streaming era, for better or for worse. Uh, now, why am I talking about that? Great question. I'm talking about V-Cinema because the movie that I'm going to be talking about today is a V-Cinema movie. And that movie is from 1991, and it's called Female Teacher Under a Wet Piano. Now, Takayo Nagaishi, uh, when you do a little research into who this, this guy is, uh, some films that you see, a lot of them are like Super Sentai films and like Kamen Rider films that he's done. Um, but most notably, he's, he's the director of a series called Rape Man. Yes, he, it's a there. I'm, I mean, it's the Japanese. For, for those who are aware of Japanese film and Japanese cinema, uh, this will come as no surprise that there is a series called Rape Man. Um, and uh, I think it goes on for multiple sequels. And I believe he directed Rape Man 1, uh, Rape Man 2, 3, 4, as I'm looking through. Yeah, he, he's directed four Rape Man movies. Uh, he also directed Rape Man 7, 5, wow, okay, 6. So he's directed at least 7 Rape Man movies. Um, <laughs> uh, we're not talking about uh, the Rape Man movies. Um, I'm aware of the Rape Man movies. Uh, I have not watched the Rape Man movies. Um, I don't even know if I want to go down <laughs> that rabbit hole necessarily. Uh, but... I digress. Uh, I wanted to talk about female teacher under a wet piano. Um, because for one, I noticed that like no one has seen this movie. Um, and by no one, I mean like if you look this movie up on Letterboxd, there is only one person who's watched it. And there's only one review. And, uh, that one review is by the one person who watched it. Um, well, now there's two because I watched it. <laughs> uh, so it's only two people who've seen this movie lo uh, on Letterboxd. Now, a big reason why people haven't logged this movie is because it's a movie that never got really released outside of Japan. Uh, there's no subtitles for this movie. Um, I watched this movie without subtitles. Uh, now you might be thinking like, wow, you watched the movie without subtitles. Yes, uh, I did. I watched the movie without subtitles and honestly, um, it didn't really take away from the experience of watching this movie. Um, for one thing, for one thing, um, this movie is kind of 
It's kind of pure cinema. I know that movie. I mean, I, I, even though it's clearly a very video shot on video kind of movie, uh, what I mean by that is that it's one of those films that that while while it is in another completely different language, uh, the, you can pretty much watch this movie, and just based on what you're seeing on screen, context clues of what's going on as the characters interact. Um, and it's not like there's a lot of dialogue in this movie. I mean, it's not a dialogue heavy movie, even though there are definitely sequences where you're kind of like, okay, like you have to pay attention and lean in to figure out, you know, what's being communicated more or less. I mean, it's not that this, this movie isn't about that though. This movie isn't a, it is a meditative drama. Okay. Um, it's not, uh, this movie is a pretty much like a exploitation sort of home invasion, you know, riff kind of a riff on a movie like last house on the left um somewhat um yeah it it go it's pretty dark um and i was able to to pretty much keep up with everything and the things that i didn't even know by the end of the movie the way the way the story plays out it fills in the blanks for you like even the exposition is like okay like so you're able to watch this movie, um, whether you speak Japanese or not, um, this won't really take away. And the movie is only, that's another thing, the movie in terms of its runtime, the movie is only an hour and eight minutes. So it's a very short film on top of that, which is another characteristic of V-Cinema, much like Pinku Iga, which I talk about a lot for those who know, who listen to this podcast regularly, you know, I talk about Pinku Iga, um, and this is definitely something that is adjacent to that. I think V Cinema is adjacent to Pinkuiga, uh, our pink films. Um, and then obviously, you know, the other movies, the Roman pornos, which I haven't really talked that much about. But Roman pornos, for those who don't know, aren't actual pornos. They're softcore movies, too. Uh, but the Roman porno is like a pink film with a budget. Like the Roman pornos are bigger budgeted pink films. Uh, so softcore Japanese movies that have actual studio money behind them. And you can really tell when you're watching one, you're like, oh yeah, they had like, leg- they have like legitimate uh, budgets on these movies. Uh, pink films, you can tell they don't necessarily have a lot of money behind them. I think, I think the average pink film uh, is, was like $27,000 uh, for them. They, that's what they got. Uh, I watched this documentary about pink films called uh pink ribbon, which I recommend, uh, any listeners to go and seek that out. It's a great documentary about that whole world. Uh, but yeah, they used to get $27,000 to make these pink movies, these softcore movies. And sort of the only uh, stipulations that they have was that like they had like a certain amount of sex scenes. Like it had had like three sex scenes and, you know, kind of as long as they checked those boxes, you know, um, those filmmakers were allowed to do whatever they wanted. Um, so you you got very interesting filmmaking and most of the people doing pink films were doing they were they were outsiders people who wanted to be filmmakers but didn't come from sort of the elite class this was a way in for them uh the pink the pink film not to make this about pink films but v cinema isn't that is much different like i said takashi Mike, who i mentioned at the top of this episode came up in v cinema uh takashi Mike, that was his way into the industry now takashi Mike is you know, you know, world renowned and he makes big budget movies. He does all kinds of movies. He's prolific, as I've already mentioned. Like, I mean, he's done over a hundred films. He's got a new one coming out, I think in November. Um, so Mike's still at it. Uh, but this movie specifically, um, like I said, very obscure, very obscure. Um, no subtitles, uh, but don't let that, don't let that stop you from checking this movie out. Uh, this is one of those movies that it does not matter if you know Japanese or not. Like you can sit down and you can watch this movie. Um, in fact, uh, for for my MAS patrons, I will link this movie for you guys to see, um, so you can see. Because I do, I don't want to be, I don't want to gatekeep these movies. Like you know what I mean. Like the stuff I talk about, like it's very important that like there's some way for people to watch it 
that's one of the things I, I, I notice when I when I listen to other podcasts that do a similar thing uh, to, to MAS where, where they talk about movies that are very obscure, very hard to find. Uh, most times they just talk about them and then they just leave the listener like, like, OK, yeah, but you'll never be able to watch this. You, you have to track it down yourself. I mean, at least point someone in the direction to find the movie. You know what I'm saying? Like, you don't got to fucking like give them a copy. You don't got to. But do at least point them in the direction, you know. So that's why when I watch a lot of these movies, I'm always looking for uh, ways for people to watch them. If they're on like our Internet Archive or, or uh, if they're on YouTube or sometimes they're on Tubi, you know, um, sometimes they're not. Sometimes they're just the only way you can find them is like this movie is not released in America and it's not streaming. Um, you're not going to find it on YouTube. Uh, it's out there. You have to dig. That's how I found it. Um, but mostly you're gonna have to go to like, you know, places where you can like, you know, torrent it or from some sort of place that can, you can download it from. It's not going to be one of those things that you just pull up on the computer, click and watch. Um, but yeah, I wanted to make, I want to make it available or, 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 some way to talk about a movie again because if you're going to highlight movies that are underseen right it should be with the intention that they get out there and no longer be underseen but be actually seen so so yeah um i say all that to say i definitely think this is a movie worthy of people checking out um now, let me go ahead and do what I always do, which is read this synopsis, which is very short, uh, more or less. This is basically like a very uh, weak log line. <laughs> but here we go. Uh, two escaped convicts arrive at the summer villa of the chairman of a large company. That's it. One sentence. Doesn't really say anything else. Um, I mean, you could pretty much fill in the blank because it's, it's very vague. Oh, two, two escaped convicts. What's going to happen? Um a lot of violent shit's going to happen. And like I said, this is kind of a riff on Last House on the Left. Um, uh, you know, I, it's not a one-to-one sort of like Japanese remake by any means. Um, but yeah, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to try and recap this movie um, and do it in a way that's a little bit more loose and not so, um, you know, just going through the motions of the plot i mean i want to be able to get to a point where i can talk through a movie um on the podcast and do it in a way that i feel feels like less of me i don't know just retelling the movie to to the to the listener and more of me sort of um talking about the story and the moments in the story but in a way that is a lot more, for lack of a better word, exploratory of sort of the 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 aspects and elements of the movie um, that really I engaged with the most and that I found interesting. Now, I might fail at that in my attempt, and it might just be a straight regurgitation, which I'm known to do. For, for anyone who's listened to this podcast before. Um, but, you know, that's my goal. My goal is to get a lot better with sort of the way I talk about these movies or recap these movies and talk through these movies. Um, but the movie opens in a very standard kind of way. Um, we get an opening image of this very nice house that's lakeside in some sort of like remote forested area. Um, and we hear a gunshot. Now... The movie opens with that image and that gunshot sound that's coming from somewhere within the house. And by the time the movie ends, uh, we circle back to that scene. The movie ends the way that it opens. Uh, and then we sort of understand now with a new context what what it is uh, that we have just saw and why the gunshot went off. Um, I mean, but you could put two and two together. This is that kind of movie. Again, it's a home invasion movie. Um, But after that sort of opening image and opening credit scene, um, the movie then introduces us to our family. Now, we see an older man and an older woman dressed in sort of kind of, you know, 
nicest clothes, um, drinking wine, and having a conversation. Again, in Japanese, I don't know what they were saying. Um, and then uh, the older man, who I'm assuming is the chairman that the synopsis are like that very weak kind of description of the plot that I read off of Letterboxd uh, describes. Uh, he looks up and he watches his, who I assume is his daughter, um, riding a horse. Now his daughter isn't, she's not a child. Um, she's grown. She looks like she's in her 20s. She's got to be some somewhere around that that age, right? He's watching her ride the horse. Um, then it cuts and it becomes night. And it's night and it starts to rain. And I really like that. I know it is a little bit uh, tropey for these kind of movies, right? Like these kind of movies to take place at night in the rain um, is something that we've seen. It's a little cliche, right? It's a little overdone but it fucking works you know when you're doing like a horror movie you know when you're doing like one of these kind of extreme thrillers you know it, it just fucking works um so yeah like it starts to rain um and then what we see is uh inside the house we see the older man and his wife again um but then we are introduced to uh three other characters uh now, we're introduced to a woman, I'm, I'm going to say she's probably in her 30s, and her, either her husband or her boyfriend, I'm not quite sure, and I'm not even sure of the relationship uh, in terms of this, this couple to the, to the uh, older man and woman. I'm assuming that they are the parents of the the woman's partner again i'm not sure if it's her husband or her boyfriend right but they might be her parents you know but it, the way that they interact it doesn't seem that way it seems like they're his parents right um so we we see them in there and they're talking and then there's a a, a youngish housekeeper you know um she might be in her 20s or 30s i don't, I don't know she's youngish right and she's the housekeeper. She works there. Um, she has like an apron and she's clearly like, you know, waiting on them, you know, picking up d cups and, you know, dusting off things, doing, doing, she's in her housekeeper bag, you know. <laughs> um, and then I think that's when the daughter who we saw before riding the horse comes in and she's drenched, right? She, her hair's wet. Uh, she has her riding blazer unbuttoned. Right. Um, which, you know, OK, we get it. But I mean, she just got drenched. So you probably unbutton your blazer, too. But you would be conscious that like you have nothing on um, under that blazer because she doesn't like it's literally just the only thing that's covering her, her, her breast is this unbuttoned blazer. And she walks into the room nonchalantly and just doesn't even care that like her breasts are exposed. I think she even like lifts her arm to get her hair out of her face and it completely flashes a whole a whole titty in front of this room of people again i'm assuming that this is family like this is all family so but because i can't understand what they're saying to each other um the only thing i can tell is that the mother says something then the father says something and it's she doesn't really respond in a way that makes me feel like they were really uh scolding her for 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 it but Maybe they were, and maybe she just didn't give a shit. But then she like kind of walks out, and as she's walking out, the housekeeper gives her a towel. And that's when we cut back outside. <clears throat> and we see uh, two men walking in the night. Um, we really just see their legs, and most of them, are, the rest of their body is in kind of like silhouette. They're like walking uh, over train tracks. And then we notice that like one of them, is holding what appears to be a rifle because you can see like the barrel and the stock of it. Um, and that might have happened in reverse order because um, I am re I'm retelling or recapping um, this this story from memory here. Um, but we can assume already. I mean, we've seen these movies before. We, we know we know what's coming. We know that these are the two escaped convicts. Right. It's, it's kind of clear. 
And uh, then we see uh, a couple uh, driving down a, down, the, down the road at night, talking to each other, listening to the radio. Um, and then the two convicts step out in front of the car and immediately the driver, who is a, ma- a man, he slams on the brakes. Um, and of course, him and his his I'm assuming it's his, his girlfriend or, you know, maybe it's a, maybe it's his wife. Uh, you know, they both react. Oh, my God. You know, he opens the door um, and immediately when he opens the door, uh, the convict with the rifle who we'll get to know um, shoots him. Right. And, and then the man falls to the ground outside his car. And then the man calmly walks over and then shoots him several more times. Execution execution style and dead in the street. The woman freaks out, you know, tries to get out of of the car. She does. She gets out of her passenger side. But the other convict, uh, he has a scythe um, and he basically, you know, goes ham and just murders this woman um, in cold blood. Uh, She obviously kind of probably got it worse than her boyfriend who was shot multiple times. Uh, but it's a, it's a, it's 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 our first introduction to our our main antagonist, and it, it is definitely one that is very brutal um, and kind of lets us know right off the bat what kind of men they are and who exactly uh, you know our our characters are about to have to deal with. Uh, then it goes back to the house, and we see. Uh, Again, I think it's a father and son. It could be a father and son-in-law, but the 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 older man is playing chess with with the uh, son slash maybe son-in-law. <clears throat> the mother is sewing, um, and uh, the woman who is basically our our she's our hero. She's our final girl, right? Um, she's the, she who is the female teacher of the title, which. You don't know this initially uh, because you just don't. Um, I don't even think they make it obvious. I don't know what the dialogue is because I don't speak Japanese, but I'm pretty certain that they don't come out and say she's a female teacher. But we, we fig- you figure that out as the story goes. So um, this is happening, and then I think she drops like some yarn, and she goes to, to pick it up, and a muddy boot steps on top of it. And, of course, that muddy boot belongs to one of our convicts, uh, she looks up and there are both of them inside the house. Uh, movie again, movie's only an hour and eight minutes. Waste no time. These men are inside the house. Immediately, uh, everyone jumps up, surprised. Uh, the the chairman, for for lack, I don't know his character's name. <laughs> the old the older man. He jumps up and sort of like shields the rest of them behind him. And the convict with the with the uh, rifle holds the rifle on them and is sort of menacing them with the rifle and they hear up they hear noise upstairs and it's obviously it's the daughter and they both look up and then the 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 convict without the gun you know tells 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 the convict with the gun that he's going to go upstairs and check it out now i didn't mention that this this one the he's covered in blood like he just murdered this woman and his her blood is still like all over him he's wet soaking and he's got blood stained shirt uh, so he marches up to to go find the girl while the convict with the rifle just holds the family at gunpoint. Now, it's it's interesting because we get to know a lot more about the convict with the rifle uh, as the movie gets to the, the final act um, and sort of gives us a new understanding of his motivation and why there at the house because upon initially uh watching this um i don't think that it mattered that it was uh not subtitled i don't think in any way they signal to the audience that the guy with the rifle picked this house on purpose i think it seems to play itself out like it's a rand by random chance that they're that they came to this house but as we come to discover that's not the case uh homie knew exactly where he wanted to go but anyhow 
The family's downstairs with the convict with the rifle. They hear upstairs a commotion um, and the girl screaming and there's the sounds of struggle. But we don't actually see what's occurring upstairs. It's all sort of downstairs that we we're experiencing the same thing that the people downstairs are experiencing so they're like looking up at the ceiling and listening and and of course the father the older man he's got this look on his face as he hears his daughter you know he's worried about his daughter which i mean you empathize with him right but he even like makes a move like he's going to go towards the steps but he's immediately stopped by the convict with the rifle and he like shoves the old man to the ground and then the old man kind of like looks at him defiantly and then he just shoots him like cold blood shoots him dead. And of course, uh, this makes his wife immediately, you know, overcome with, you know, with emotion because she just watched her, her husband get shot. Uh, and of course, the the younger couple um, they're they're shocked. And the guy with the rifle, he's just kind of like smiling and giggling. Um, and he just he doesn't. He's a psychopath. And then we notice, though, that the 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 female teacher is like looking at him very hard. And it does like this kind of like zoom in on her eyes. Um, and she's just watching, watching this this kind of youngish uh, escaped convict very, very carefully. Um, and we don't know what that means, but we will come to discover uh, what that means. And then um, we see uh, the convict who went upstairs come back down the stairs carrying the daughter over his shoulder. Uh, she's unconscious and he's got her hands bound with like metal wire. Um, and he's got like a, ro the, a loop of the metal wire in his back pocket, which he proceeds to then uh, put the woman unconscious on the couch and tie up the rest of the family, uh, you know, in terms of he ties their hands behind their backs. And, you know, so again, we're already, I don't know, this might, we're not even 15 minutes into the movie. Um, and the whole, the whole stage is set, which is, this is one of these kind of hostage situations with these two psychopaths. So it cuts to them at this point, like, the two convicts are in the kitchen eating food uh, and they've just got food everywhere. They're eating like they haven't ate in days, which they've escaped from prison, I'm assuming. So they probably haven't ate since they since they've gotten out. Um, so they're literally in the kitchen. They've got food everywhere. They're just fucking drinking milk straight out of the cartons, um, dr e eating whole heads of lettuce, uh, fucking fucking cold hot dogs. They're eating like pigs. Like, you know what I mean? And the family is out in the living room um, with their hands bound behind their backs. And uh, the female teacher character, uh, she sees the loop of wire laying on the floor with a metal, like, looks like a kind of like a cutter, sort of like a, you know, like the, like, not like pliers, but, you know, like the cut, the kind of cuts metal, like the little, the it's like a metal cincher, right? So she's trying to like ease her way over to it because she wants to grab a hold of it and see if she can cut cut the wires that are, you know, have her hands bound together behind her back. And it's this whole scene plays out like where it's, you know, the tension of like these, they cut, it's cutting back and forth between the convicts in the kitchen stuffing their face and eating and uh, our, our hero, our, our, the female teacher, struggling to squirm across the floor with her hands behind her back to grab this tool. And uh, as she's getting there, um, the convict, in the, uh, the one without the rifle, stands up. He's the one who's covered in blood. And he, we think he's walking out to go see uh, what's going on. But it's kind of a fake out because he doesn't actually come all the way out. He yells at her. Uh, something that obviously I don't understand because I don't speak Japanese and the mother, the, the, the older mother responds to him. And then he, we see him moving back into the kitchen to the fridge and he pulls out some meat. It looks like pork or something. Um, so apparently he was yelling at her to ask her what else they had. If, or if maybe he said, do you have any meat? 
but again, it was a whole, it's just a, it's just a, your basic kind of like, you know, psych out moment in, in, in a, a thriller. Um, and he like grabs this meat and he starts washing it in the sink. Now, something I haven't mentioned is this, the, the, the casting of the two convicts. I think these, the casting of these two guys is really good because they have these kind of like stoic demeanors and these kind of faces like the the guy with the rifle the younger guy he's he's clearly like this he plays like a a young psychopath pretty well and the in the older convict he's not like old but he's just older he can clear he's clearly the older of the two he just looks like a complete sociopath like just dead-eyed the whole time um and it's debatable who's who's more evil i would say probably the older convict is just the more evil he does he definitely engages in a lot of evil shit um in this movie i mean not to say that the guy with the rifle doesn't because he definitely does but there's something about him like in fact um the guy with the rifle is actually uh protective of the female teacher um and we and that's something that you notice when you watch the movie is like when the two convicts are uh terrorizing the 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 family it seems that the guy with the rifle won't really let a lot uh let him do let let his let his partner do anything to the teacher woman like you know like because this guy is you know he's he's very aggressive he's handsy you know he, he's groping the women again this is a movie directed by a director who directed seven movies called rape man so i mean what do you expect and it kind of the movie kind of like plays out the way you expect right like in terms of just like if you've seen uh kind of these extreme home invasion type of movies like there's nothing about the plot that's surprising, but it's more about the sensibilities of the movie. Um, the, the sort of weird kind of ways that they kind of play with the cliches and tropes of a movie like this. Uh, Cause it's one, it's done in that very kind of, creepy pervy Japanese uh way um that's very specific for people who've who've watched a lot of v cinema and pink films and stuff you know exactly what I'm talking about um so I think at a certain point right they're you know they've killed the father um the, like I said the daughter's unconscious the other three are their hands are bound um and at the cops come right um there's some pops pull up I'm assuming that the cops are looking for the escaped convicts. Uh, so they're probably, they probably know that they're somewhere in the area. And while this is happening, the two convicts are with the family in the living room. And the older convict grabs uh, the female teacher character, our heroine. He grabs her to take her away. But when he does this, he is stopped because his partner the com the younger convict with the rifle pulls his rifle on him and makes him let go of the teacher like i said he's protecting her um specifically protecting her from his uh psychopath uh convict friend right and they get into it like they have a little face off where they're like in each other's face but that's cut short because they actually hear that the cops are there like the, we see the cops pull up, but they had they had they haven't noticed it yet. But they once they hear them, they notice it. And at this point, um, that's when the young the young uh, convict with the gun makes the the female teacher character speak with the cops uh, at the door. Um, and ultimately, she comes to the door. At first, she's talking to him over through the, through the intercom, right? Um, but we get the, you know, I don't know what they, I don't know what's being said, but it's pretty clear, you know, what's being said. You could just watch the exchange and pretty get it clear. She's, she's listening to the cop and the cop's asking her questions. He's probably asking her, um, I'm assuming he's asking her if, you know, if she's, you know, 
everything's okay with them in there? Have you have you guys come across these two escaped convicts we're looking for or whatever? But at a certain point, um, the phone is hung up, and it's actually the the young convict that hangs it up, and they they have to like let her go to the door, because the, obviously the cop wants to see her face to face, and he's trying to, you know, so they they cut her 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 wrist loose, and she goes to the door to speak. Uh, with the officer, since she as she she opens the door up, and she's talking to the officer, and you you're thinking like, oh, okay, well everything is fine. She's gonna be able to, you know, um, pretty much talk talk to the cop, and he's gonna, you know, leave. And because they're having a conversation, and it seems to be going the you know the, as expected, like she's answering the questions he's asking her. Um, but at that at this time, uh, the the young daughter who's unconscious wakes up on the couch and then she sees that her hands are bound. And as the woman teacher and the cop are talking, he hears her scream. So immediately the cop, you know, hearing her scream, he's alerted. He runs into the house and as he runs into the house, he sees the older convict who's like on top of the woman with a knife and the cop pulls the gun, and that's when the young convict comes and shoots him with the rifle. His partner hears the gunshot. His partner runs out of the car. Who's he's waiting in the cop car? He runs out, runs inside, sees that his his uh, partner's been shot, and he's immediately killed by our our convicts again. Um, so, like I said, the way this movie's playing out, you've seen it before, and but. The way that uh, the the older convict kills him, he stabs him about nine million times, um, <laughs> uh, and literally uh, the violence in this movie is 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 it's pretty fucking violent. Like, it's not there's not a lot of like gore really. Uh, it's a lot of blood. There's a lot of blood in this movie, but it's not like gory because they don't like show. There's there's moments. There's there's definitely moments in the movie where they do show a little bit, but for the most part. Even when he's like, uh, even when the older convict is doing creepy shit uh, to the to to the women, like um, sexually assaulting them and doing you know other fucked up things to them, um, the way it's shot and the way that they sort of choreograph it, uh, it's fucked up. But it's there's a level of like restraint there too. It's weird because it's like extreme, but still somehow like they could go further because in these kind of movies they do go further a lot of times and this movie kind of walks this delicate balance right where it's like it doesn't quite go there where you expect it to go but then it does other things where you're like damn like they they did that uh but yeah so immediately uh they take the dead cops away uh they have the 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 two convicts have the uh the female teacher uh, help them put the bodies in the in the car. Then the older convict drives the cop car away somewhere with the uh, you know with the with the bodies, the two dead cops, while uh, the younger convict stays with them. You know, with the family with the shotgun. Um, and at this point, I mean, I think I've been talking through the whole movie, and I feel like you know it, I'm getting bored talking about this movie this way uh so i'm not i'm not gonna i'm not gonna do that fuck that you know what i mean like i don't want to if i'm getting bored i don't want i don't want you to get bored because this isn't a boring movie like this is not a boring movie it's just that describing these kind of movies right these kind of movies uh it's like it's not about like we know what happens in these kind of movies dog like we know it's not it's it's about the execution both literally and figuratively it's about execution people you know how they're how they go about doing it and you know and obviously people getting executed you know um uh, you know it, it it that's what it's about so i mean i really just i i really don't want to i don't really, i really don't want to dwell on this i will say this i will speed i will speed it along and just say that we start to see as the story unfolds and as each character uh dies because i will i will i will go ahead and 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 ruin this part of the movie no one lives in this movie no one lives right so with that knowledge right with that knowledge that i've just said no one lives um uh there is a interesting sort of dynamic that 
we get to see uh, between the young convict and the 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 female teacher character. Uh, like the whole time, you're thinking like there's more to this backstory than you know like than than what we're initially assuming. Like again, because this is you could assume this is like random and these just unlucky people who come across these escaped convicts, right? But no, there is a whole prior history uh, between the young convict and our, our our heroine, right? Like they have a history, and as other characters die in brutal fashion, um, like I believe the 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 older convict. Uh, he assaults the the old the older woman like he like he like basically he kills her but like before he kills her he like has her he rips open her shirt he 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 sucks on her breast i mean again this is an older woman like it and this guy's a he's a pervert he's a freak uh and then he takes the young daughter and there's a whole fucked up scene where he takes her into the bathroom puts her in a uh the shower um and he, he, it is, it is, you know, trigger warning. I've never done a trigger warning on MAS, you know, because um, I talk, I feel like I talk about extreme cinema enough. Uh, and, you know, all these movies, like, this is an explicit content 18 plus podcast, right? Like, I, I make sure that I check that box whenever I upload an episode, right? Uh, but I do want to, I do, I do, I do want to say this for those who, you know, who haven't got the hint yet when I when I already said that this is a, a a film by a guy who made seven rape man movies, okay? There is rape in this movie. Um it's not f- as far as rape scenes go, it's it's watchable. <laughs> what the f- Yo, that's a crazy sentence that I just said. As far as rape scenes goes, it's watchable. Wow. Um let me let me clarify all right all right not to say that like it's watchable in any sort of way it's not enjoyable i mean obviously i mean i don't know you would that's a whole other subject because there is a whole fetish uh genre in japanese movies specifically in pink movies where that is a fetish for some like there's these rape movies and it's a very fucking fucked up fetish i mean like you know like i feel like people that watch that yo like they should be like I don't know, chemically castrated or something. I don't know. Like, <laughs> that's a very, maybe, maybe that sounds a little conservative. Like, I don't, let me not say that. Like, if you watch something, that's not an indictment of, of, of who you are technically. I think, it, but if you get off on that shit, right? Even that, it feels like, I don't know. Like, if you're doing it with actual consent, that's different. And I guess this is simulated. It's not real. Uh, it's just, it's just murky territory, folks. Like this murky territory. When you start to get into these sort of movies that depict rape, you gotta be like, yo, what, 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 what you know, who's watching this? What's this, who, what's this content for? Um, if it's not ugly and, 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 and meant to be repulsive, but you know, I feel like part of like transgressive cinema is like, is showing those moments and make, and trying to do it in a way that's makes you feel bad. Like, like if if they actually manage to make you feel titillated while repulsed, then that makes you morally uh, complicit with the fucking villain in the movie, and then that that kind of makes you feel even worse. I feel like I feel like that's a that's a weird thing that some filmmakers try to do with scenes like that, and with scenes that some of the scenes in this kind in this this movie specifically i feel like that might have been the goal i'm not quite sure if that was the goal um i could say this watching it like i didn't like it i didn't find any of the shit titillating i thought the shit was just fucked up but i also thought though that it's in terms of like how bad these scenes could have been like i do feel like there were moments where there was restraint because it's like there's a lot of like cutting away like during certain moments like you might see like you said he rip open her shirt but then the angle of while she's struggling is like maybe a hand against the wall and then it's another angle of him above but he's not like he's his pants are still on you know it's the same thing with the with the with the actual rape scene uh with the young daughter right that's like i said that's in the in the shower right she's in the showers running during this thing 
uh, during this whole, you know, scene and she's in the water. They're fully submersed in water. And he, you know, he basically cuts, cuts off her underwear and, and he, he, he doesn't, he remains clothed weirdly. And I'm not, you know, like while it happens. So I guess that lessens it. It almost makes it almost ambiguous, even though it's not ambiguous that what he's going on, but it's like, it's not like, and it doesn't go on that long, but it goes on long enough where you're like, this is fucked up. And then he kills her afterwards. He like slits her throat with his knife and then like immediately like blood starts spraying like a shower onto him after he's completely washed all the blood off of himself because he's been submersed in this tub with her. This very nice tub again, because this is a nice home because again, this is a wealthy family, right? With this, you know, nice ornate shower head and this, this very kind of, again, that's why the tub is so big and why they're able to be inside of it the way they are. It's because it's this big giant, it's not like a clawfoot tub. It's like one of those that's like, I don't know. It looks like a tile. It's, 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 it's a, it's a nice size tub. Right. Um, but this scene plays this out. And then like, once she ex fully expires and she's dead, they cut to a moment with her in the bathroom by herself. It's a single shot. And it's very like, it's a very macabre fucked up, almost like looks like a painting where she's like in her body's floating in this, you know, bloody water with cuts on it and like that's the moment where i said there's not a lot of like gores mostly blood but that that's the one instance where it's like it's a little bit more uh of a, an extreme kind of gore moment even though it doesn't like get extremely close it's not a close-up of it it's a wider shot but it's very it's a dark little you know moment that they they highlight that it's effective right um and then ultimately, uh, all of that, like I said, I talk about the scenes because I wanted to talk about the scenes because I, I definitely didn't want to skip over those moments. And I definitely wanted to say, hey, this shit happens. Um, like I said, everyone dies. And those two deaths specifically are kind of uh, more, I don't know, more extreme. Um, not to say that there aren't other deaths that aren't extreme because they definitely are. But there is a, uh, a piano in this house that, uh, is why it's called under a wet piano. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, because there is a, there is a piano and, 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 uh, they do end up under this piano. Um, so the title is appropriate. This is a, this, you know, cause usually movies like this, they have these weird titles and you're like, why is this called female teacher under weapon piano? Because it's about a female teacher. And then there, there are literally, uh, people bleeding under the piano by the end of this movie. Um, uh, but as she's sitting at this piano, he's asking her to play. Uh, this is a moment where, uh, it's just, it's just the female teacher, the young convict and her, and her boyfriend or husband, whatever he is, the convict makes her get up, sit at the, sit at the, uh, the piano and start playing. And that's where we get this flashback as he's talking to her, right? This is flashback. He first, first thing he does though, is he, he takes his bloody hand and rubs it across the wall and then writes, uh, like music notes, like, uh, like sheet music on the wall he like it's it's kind of cool the way the way they do it like the way it looks too it's like he's written this like this this song on the wall with notes um and this this is and then he like goes up to her and i'm guessing like he's wanting her to play this this specific song and then we get this flashback which tells us how her and this young man uh know each other and it goes back to a school where she is a a teacher and he is a student right uh, and she's i'm assuming she's like a music teacher because we see her like playing the piano um it's like sepia toned and she's singing and the kid comes in and locks the door and he sits right next to her and then he shows her this picture and when he shows her this picture it makes she has a very like strange reaction and like she saw something she like whatever this picture is it's fucked up and immediately it shows what the picture is because it does a flashback within a flashback, uh, which is kind of confusing. But we, sh we show her walking to the bathroom 
and he's following her. She goes into the, the stall and he walks up to the stall and puts the his camera over top of it like a pervert or peeping Tom and he flashes the flashes the camera um, and then it reveals what is on the picture and it's her in the bathroom and she's shooting uh, a needle into her thigh and I'm not sure if she's shooting opium or she's shooting hair I don't know what she's shooting but she's shooting something into her thigh um, and immediately like the boy is showing her the picture we see what it is and he's on top of her and uh, he's like forcing himself on her. And he's basically we get the sense that he's like blackmailing her as a student. He's like, I will tell, you know, this, I will tell on you I have this evidence that you're you know, at school, you know, doing drugs or whatever. And there's like a struggle between them. And he's on top of himself, forcing himself onto her. She like tries to run around the classroom. It doesn't work. He tackles her back to the floor, rips her shirt off. And pretty much he forces himself on her. And at a certain point, like the scene changes to color. It goes from like Sephia to color as he's on top of her. And she's just sort of like gives in and like literally uh, it's this weird moment that happens a lot in these movies. And I know from watching that the Pink Ribbon documentary uh, and this isn't a pink film. OK, but but I know from this the, the Pink Ribbon documentary that they had to deal with Japanese censors. Right. And this weird thing about Japanese censors is when it comes to depictions of like rape and stuff, like there's this stipulation that I believe that like the censors want, want like the scenes at a certain point in order for them to get away with some of these scenes. It had the women had a certain point have to like look like they're no longer fighting it. You know, it's fucked up. Like when you really, when you really think about like the psychological uh, ramifications of that, uh, like, I don't even know if psychological ramifications is, is even the right, <laughs> the right, uh, wording, um, necessarily. But, but when you really think about how fucked up that is, like, like the censors will think that's okay. Like, oh, you can show rape, but like the way you have to show it is that like, it can start force, but then it has to become like consensual at certain points, which is kind of fucked up. Uh, yeah. I mean, I don't know what that says about humans um i don't know what that says about the japanese mind um i don't want to make broad sweeping generalizations based on you know cheap genre film con you know what i mean like art depicts art is a reflection of the world we live in right for sure um but there's all different types of art um i like to think that like you know hiding the dark side the ugly side of humanity um or the moments where we lack humanity I feel like that is in and of itself an injustice, not even an injustice, an evil deed, right? An evil deed, weirdly enough, like to, 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 to try to sanitize and depict uh, humans as these sort of uh, non-flawed people who, are in, who aren't capable of doing real harm to each other. Uh, is is kind of evil in and of itself um no matter if you're that's not your intention i feel like ultimately it's like this weird form of uh or, or, i hate to use the term erasure because i feel like it's been it's got a lot of you know relation to certain sort of more social justice kind of types who are more more like you know self-righteous and not really about sort of uh things that they preach they're more about put positioning themselves as some sort of moral arbiter who occupies a higher ground right like that's not um what i want to do you know what i'm saying like i, I don't want to do that like we can have discussions about art and like discussions about things like evil and uh what that actually means and like people having the capacity to do good people having the capacity to do evil uh, and, and people being you know there's a spectrum right um yeah i feel like i'm getting off course here um no but i do feel like it's important like when, when i want because i watch a lot of these movies and i talk about a lot of these movies and i do think that it's imp i think transgressive art and art that pushes the envelope art exposes things that people tend to not want to see is important um for various reasons um I don't, and again, even that word important, like it's kind of, there's certain words that just be, have, are so tainted now. They're just so tainted now. Um, 
that I second guess myself in the moment, even saying them just for the fact that it's like, I can clearly uh, at times articulate my point that I'm trying to come across, but I do feel like people only listen for certain things. Um, but you know what? Who cares? If people are doing that, if people are doing sort of like mad libs kind of listening, like in, <laughs> they hear certain words and just because they hear that certain word, that's not, they're going to think that that type of person isn't thinking critically enough anyways to take their opinion on anything seriously. You know what I'm saying? I, I can't respect it. You know what I mean? Like to me, you lack uh, intellectual curiosity and, and, and integrity. Like uh, if you're going to sit there and just like listen for keywords that may or may not uh, signal to you uh, something, about someone like you know what I mean like listen to actually what that person is trying to say uh, but anyways this this scene that changes the color where she's like she basically gives in to her student at this point um, and, and, and it could be that I don't know what it could be you know I would I want to say is is she is she on drugs in this moment um, she's clearly enjoying it at this like it's clearly that she's being seduced at a certain point at a certain point she's allowing the student to do this to her and she's clearly enjoying it. Um, and it's very fucking, very fucking weird. Uh, very creeped out. Um, and it's, it's right by the piano. Um, and I think even her hands, one of her hands like reaches up and it's like touching the keys. Uh, and then it flashes back to them in the house at the piano. And now we have a whole new context to their relationship and why this guy has come after her. Now, I don't know why he got locked up. I don't know if it's any relation to what happened there because I can't speak Japanese. Um, <laughs> uh, but at this point, uh, the other convict, he's already murdered uh, the, the older woman and he's uh, the daughter. He comes back downstairs from, from, from that covered in her blood now. Um, and he ends up shooting this is when the young, the young, it's very, it's very abrupt and surprising. Like he ends up shooting and killing his, his, uh, the older convict right in front of them. Um, and it's shocking, you know what I mean? But it's like, once we sort of know the backstory, we kind of understand like he's just used this guy probably to get out and he's only there, he's only there for her. Right. And then ultimately he, he, he shoots him, takes his knife, stabs him too, for just for good measure, make sure he's dead. Uh, and then he starts to force himself onto the female teacher under the piano. Just like, again, trying almost like he's re reliving the moment that they had back in the school and she's fighting. And of course her, her boyfriend or husband, um, again, I don't know which he's rightly, you know, upset and he's objecting and telling him to stop. And that's when the young convict shoots and kills him. And at this moment, like the female teacher, our, our hero, she's clearly upset. Like it, you, she, she, she looks at her dead partner and like she, this, the face that she has, like, it doesn't matter that you can't understand what, what she's, you know, because first of all, she's not really saying anything. It's all on her face. But as this, this is how I know it's like, it's a good, you know, certain actors are really good at conveying certain things to just a look and you just like the pain that she has in her face at this moment watching she's like you know that at this point like this guy's gone too far right and that's when she kind of like rolls over onto her back he's still on top of her and he doesn't see that like she grabs this sewing needle um that is on the floor next to the yarn and she stabs him um while he's on top of her and pretty much like you're I'm, you almost wonder like where she stabs him specifically like because he he appears to be dead like off of the stab wound and it, I, I thought she was going to stab him in like the ear or something but she doesn't it's weird it's kind of like one of those things where I'm like eh, you know like would you die from that I don't quite know right but then she like gets up and she looks at the piano and it's this moment that she sees where it's, she sees herself at the piano with her dead partner, but it's like a, again, must be a flashback moment, a moment that she shared with him where she's playing the piano and singing and he's standing next to her, kind of like nodding along and singing along with her. Um, and it's like, a, a kind of like a, a, po a poignant moment a little bit, uh, 
and then that fades away and that's when she uh takes the rifle uh that's laying on the floor sits down by the piano and puts the rifle under her chin and uh look looks pretty much looks up at the ceiling and that's when it cuts to outside and it's daytime and it's we see the house and then we hear the the gunshot and again like i told you it's it's a flashback to the opening image right comes full circle then it goes back inside the house and we see her laying there dead and everyone's dead um inside the house um and then it kind of just ends like i think it i think it just shows like uh it, it what it does is like it juxtaposes uh the tranquility of the outside of the home um with the inside and then it shows like i think it shows like flowers and then a picture of the wedding so they were yeah yeah it does so they were that was her husband because there's a photo on the wall that they show of her in a wedding gown and him in a wedding tux together so they were husband and wife like i said see you don't need subtitles people you you could just watch a movie and figure it out right um and then the movie just fucking ends and and that is the end that is female teacher under a wet piano no one has saw this fucking movie but me and some other guy on Letterboxd. So if you're a patron, go watch it. I got you. I'll post a link for you to see it. If you're not, I still got you. Email me. Message me. I'll hook you up. I won't even make you pay the $5 for this shit. Uh, because you know what? It's not my movie. And that's not why I want you to subscribe and become a patron to MAS. I want you to subscribe and become a patron to the MAS because you enjoy the podcast and you enjoy, you know, the sound of my voice. <laughs> I mean, I barely enjoy the sound of my voice, but you know what I mean? I want you, I want you to subscribe because you actually want to hear the podcast, not because you want to see a movie. It's more about the perspective. It's more about the curation and the taste. Uh, but I've talked enough. I'm almost talked longer than the movie. So yeah. Um, this podcast is like an hour and change right now, an hour and two minutes. Uh, the movie's an hour and eight minutes. So, yeah, there's no need for it to be as long as the movie. So, it's over. I'll be back. It's October, so I'm definitely going to be doing more episodes. Definitely going to be doing a lot of episodes on spooky shit. So, see you next time. Uh-huh.